0: It's very important to know who you can trust. Trusting someone you should trust is the best. Not trusting someone you shouldn't trust is, well, who cares? Not trusting someone you should trust is causing damage to you, to them, and to the organization. But trusting someone you should not trust is, well, right down dangerous and could have devastating consequences. So, How do you decide if you can trust someone or not? This is the first of a four-episode mini-series. In this series, I will break down the process of determining just that. I'm going to give you a science-based, pragmatic, intentional, and very prescriptive way to tell if you can trust someone, in what, and how much. Because trust is relative. I will use the eight laws of trust and the six components of my relative trust model. I will show you how to determine the level of trust you should have in another person based on who they are and what they do. And if you think that your gut has nothing to do with it, you're wrong. It is, and I'll show you how to train your gut to tell you if you can trust someone or not. There is one more exciting thing that I want to share with you today. I transcribe these episodes and then I condense them into articles. I've been doing that since the first episode of season four. I have now released a new book series that has the articles based on this podcast. The first three volumes just got published this week and are available in both printed and electronic formats. If you want the audio format, well, then just listen to this podcast. With that, let's start talking about how you can tell if you can and should Can I trust you? Trust is declining. There is no doubt about that. If you go to the Edelman Trust Barometer, uh, you will see just how far it has declined. It declined the trust that we have in the media, uh, in politicians. Those are... Some of the bottom ones, the the one the trust we have in government, but even the trust that we have in each other has declined, which makes it only more important that we know who to trust. Now, the subtitle of the book, uh, The Book of Trust, is uh, Build Trust, Be Trusted, and Know Who to Trust. And uh, for the most part, up until now, the, my focus on build trust was uh, how every single person builds their own trustworthiness, as well as uh, learning how to trust somebody else. Uh, but that's a small part. The big part is know how to be more trusted. What do you have to do? What you can do to be more trusted? And I haven't focused much on, uh, at least in this podcast, on... Um, knowing who to trust, how can you tell who you can trust? And uh, the the purpose of this series of episodes, it's probably not gonna be one, uh, the purpose is to show you who to trust and how you can tell if you can trust someone or how much you can trust them. So first I'm I'm going to start with some very high level uh, issues related to trust. First of all, I want you to remember trust law number eight, and that is uh, that trust is a two-person game. Trust is two-sided. That means that the level of trust that you have in somebody else is the product of your trustfulness and their trustworthiness. So it's not enough for them to be trustworthy for you to trust them. You have to also have a good degree of trustfulness. Now, uh, think about them as being multiplied. And uh, what this means is that uh, one person with low trustfulness would trust another person with high trustworthiness just about the same amount that a person with high trustfulness and trustfulness is really your willingness to trust other people uh, in how much they trust someone with high trustfulness. Uh, a someone with low trustworthiness, so just remember that because i'll I'll refer to these uh, phrases. The reason that the level of trust is declining is twofold: on one hand, direct trustworthiness is declining. It starts with fraud. Cybercrime, uh, people trying to steal your identity. It, it, it seems like fraud and stealing and you know other crimes. I, I'm, I'm talking about crimes. And when I say crimes, it's things that are punishable by law. They're increasing. And when they're increasing, do you trust people? Uh, th- doesn't that affect how you see trustworthiness? So trustworthiness is declining, one, because of fraud, two, because of all kinds of marketing and sales tricks that cause you to believe that the value you're getting from a product or a service is more than it really is, and that the price that you're actually paying is less than what you really do pay, Uh and I talked about that more in another episode when I talked about the formula that makes companies trusted and their customers loyal. Uh, so there are a lot of marketing tricks that they're, they're, you know, j- just look at your LinkedIn account or Facebook or or your email inbox and see how many people are just trying to sell you on uh, how to get more customers. And, and it's really, the, the title should be how to trick more people to be your customers. Uh, because for for a big part of it, uh, you're really tricking them. So we got fraud. We got marketing tricks. Th- those are declining in, in, in trustworthiness, declines in trustworthiness. Then there is the polarization that we have in our society that uh, I think it's pretty much equal, maybe even more than what we had before the Civil War in the 19th century. We dehumanize people. So the the other people are dehumanized. And and would you trust somebody who dehumanizes you? Uh, There is a general decline in empathy. Uh, You know, there was a study done, I think it was 2017 or 2015, that uh, showed that... uh, uh, the level of empathy, the uh, uh, or I'll put it the other way around because the study was really about individualism and, and this is how we focus on ourselves and the world revolves around us. And that increased over the last 51 years. Actually, the 51 years covered in the study. Um, in In general, in 78 countries, it increased by 12%. But in English-speaking countries, which we lead, it increased by 60 to 69%. So less empathy, and and in general, those are all components that make you trust other people less, but because they're less trustworthy. You know, if they're tricking you, if they use a lot of BS, if if, uh, they use a lot of fraud, if they don't care about you, if they they dehumanize you, they're not empathetic to you, then they're less trustworthy, at least in your eyes. That's the direct uh, impact, but there is an indirect impact, impact, and that's the impact on our trustfulness, our willingness to trust other people. And it's the result of the direct decline in, in uh, trustworthiness, uh, because when so many people are untrustworthy, you can't trust them, that hurts your trustfulness. You are... Less inclined to trust people, period. Uh, because you're you're starting to think that all people are are like that. I mean, when when you got exposed to so many people who are untrustworthy, should you be trusting the next person? There is an impact, and this is why every time I talk about uh, trustfulness and trustworthiness, I tell people that um, you are in full control of your trustworthiness, but have almost no impact on trustfulness. And I don't say that you don't have impact. You have almost no impact because those things are cumulative. The more trustworthy, untrustworthy people you're going to encounter, the less trustfulness you'll have. So, You know, what that causes is that even some, if somebody is trustworthy, you're going to trust them less because trust is the product of not only their trustworthiness, but your trustfulness, which is indirectly declining because of the decline in other people's trustworthiness. So this is why we have a general decline in trust. Again, I'm not going to throw percentages uh, from research done by others. I think the Edelman Trust Barometer is a good source for that, and, and there are other sources. There is a general decline in trust, which makes it even more important for you to be able to detect whether you can trust another person whether the other person is trustworthy or not wow that was a mouthful then took a third of the uh this episode but it was important. It was important to understand that decline and why is it declining and the distinction between trustfulness and trustworthiness. I, I did, as usual, I typically do a LinkedIn poll just to get the sense of what people care about it or who do you care about if you could trust. And so I asked this question. I, I wrote the, uh, the next episode of the Trust Show podcast. It's actually more than one episode. Uh, we'll address how do you know if you can trust X? And who would you like X to be? And I gave several options uh, in the workplace. I, I focused on the workplace. My boss got 45%. My peers, people at the same level, my colleagues, 18%. Uh, p- those are people I don't control and they don't control P uh, me people working for me, 9%. So that's interesting. Well, it's not, I shouldn't say it's interesting because you'll see something that I found in one of my surveys uh, that that would make it consistent. And it's, it's not just interesting, it's also sad. So we really care the most about whether we trust our boss, whether we can trust our boss, followed by my peers, followed by the last place, people working for me. Uh, and then you have uh, others, and uh, I asked for comments, uh, but I didn't get any comments, so I don't know who those others are. So the first thing is, uh, again, really this applies to every relationship. What I'm going to teach you in this series of episodes is applying, or it applies to every relationship. This is how you look at somebody and decide whether you can trust them or not, whether you should trust them or not. Um But, you know, back in 2018, I did a survey and I asked the question, how important is trustworthiness as a quality? Or what's the most important quality for you in another person? And I referred to that uh, survey uh, many times. I think, if I remember correctly, 363 responses to the survey. Um, I collected them, aggregated them, categorized them. And what I found was, first of all, that overall, uh, we put trustworthiness 61.2% as the most important quality, which means it's more than the next qualities, all qualities combined. Um, and I have to admit that, that I consolidated things so when somebody said integrity, uh, and, and I had several main categories, that it really feel, uh, fell with trustworthiness in general. So 61.2% overall. But I asked about six types of people. I asked about a salesperson, your spouse, your government representative, your boss, colleague, or peer, uh, and your employees. And uh, so the top one was salesperson. So when we were asked what is the most important quality for me in a salesperson, 77.4% said trustworthiness. So salesperson, when I asked about salespeople, trustworthiness was the most important one more than in any other relationship. Next was spouse, 77.2%. Spouse was the only one that received three responses that the most important quality for three people out of 363 or 0.83% said the most important quality in a spouse is good looks. Don't know if this was uh, being funny or what, but that's why you have a large enough sample. But spouse, uh, trustworthiness in a spouse was 77.2%. And and I understand, you know, in salespeople, if you think about that, you have one transaction, mostly um, so... It's really important that you know that that transaction works well, not to mention that it is a transaction where they give you something of value and more importantly, you give them something of value and that's your money. Spouse, that's a long relationship. You want to know that you can trust the person you're going to spend a long relationship with. The next one was government representative, 65.5%. And, you know, I know that some people may think that uh, maybe what this means is that we don't trust the government or we don't trust government representatives and this is why we rank trustworthiness as important. But no, I mean, I asked you about um, the, uh, the trustworthiness and I asked about willingness to work hard and, and willingness to, to uh, take risks and I asked about intelligence Uh, And people just said in my government representative, which apparently is important to us, 65.5% believe that uh, trustworthiness is the most important quality in them. 60% in a boss, which is a little interesting because it's a little less than the overall of 61.2%. 60% uh, said that the most important quality for them in a boss, in their boss, is trustworthiness. When I asked about a colleague or a peer... This was the first time where the number went below 50%. So less than 50% said the trustworthiness is the most important one. It was still the top one with 49.2%. The second one was with 33.8% was the willingness to work hard. So when I'm asking you about your peer, a colleague, somebody who works with you, what is the most important quality for you in them in about 50%, 49.2%, you're gonna say that it's their trustworthiness, but 33.8% or a third of the time, it's their willingness to work hard. So you wanna see your your coworker willing to work hard, which by the way, plays into one of the components of uh, the six component uh, relative trust model, symmetry. You wanna know that they're willing to work hard, especially if you're willing to work hard, because you trust someone who is putting in as much effort as you do. So that's why that, that plays a role. Uh, but now comes the the uh, interesting part, and, and I talked about that before, so it shouldn't be too surprising to you. When I asked leaders, bosses, managers about their employees, trustworthiness was 39.3% most important quality it was actually not even the first place. This was the only one of six relationships where it wasn't in the first place. First place, 47.5% was the willingness to work hard. You remember how I told you that in my small, it was a very small sample LinkedIn poll. The, when I asked, who do you want to know if you can trust? The lowest number was for people working for me which is very consistent with my survey that said 39.3% of leaders, managers, bosses thought that trustworthiness is important in their employees, which means that they're not willing to trust their employees. If they don't care about whether they can trust their employees or not, if they don't care about the employees' trustworthiness, this is how these things tie up, then, you know, why would they trust them? And if they don't trust them they're not going to give them autonomy and they're not going to give them a lot of things that would cause the employee in turn not to trust their boss it's an interesting cycle there so trustworthiness is important to us in the other person and and i'm going to deduct from it simply because trust is the product of trustfulness and trustworthiness that trust is important for us in, in this series of episodes, what I'll do is I will explain how we make that decision, but uh, also what are the type of things that we can do to make a more accurate decision. I'm going to give you a very pragmatic approach, a very... Uh, prescriptive approach to make that determination rather than my gut. You know, I ask people many times, how do you decide if you can trust somebody else? And the answer was, uh, I trust my gut. And if you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, that talks about kind of trusting your gut and where do you get your gut feeling? uh, One of the warnings in that book is that uh, you don't Always, you can't always trust your gut. You need to know when you can trust your gut and when not to. Uh, He offers what are the type of things you can do to improve the predictability or the accuracy of your gut decision. And I'll tell you about uh, an experiment in uh, one of the episodes in, in this series. But what I'm trying to give you here, what I'm giving you here in this series of episodes and articles that would come out of it is how... What would be a more prescriptive, predictive, more accurate process for you or, or steps for you to take to know if you can trust another person? Now comes the question, uh, what do I need to trust another person with and how much? Because trust, and, and this is uh, one of my, my first Actually, the first law of trust is that trust is continuous. It's not binary. Uh, trust law number two is that it's contextual. And I'll, I'll talk about these two laws in, in this uh, segment. You know, there there is absolutely no meaning to the question, can I trust this other person? Yes or no. There is no meaning for it. Uh, there are different levels of trust that we have in people, and there are different contexts. So let's let's start with the different levels uh, of of trusting another person. Uh, Robin Dunbar, he's he's a British uh, anthropologist, and he did a study. Um, actually it's it's a very interesting study of a correlation between the volume the size the three-dimensional size of our brain or, or a specific part of the cortex um to how many people do we have in our social network and uh he, he found that the volume of the neocortex uh, in different species, so he tried that in different species, and, and then observed the size of their social groups. And what he found was that humans can have about 150 of what he calls casual friends in, in that group. Well, uh, being in that level of relationship with another person suggests a certain level of trust that you can have in that person. Uh but he later, in, in a later article, he talks about different sizes of groups and, uh, the, and different levels of trust or, or relationships you have with them. And by the way, interestingly enough, it correlates to the size of a military unit where the smallest unit is, is a team. Team would typically have something like five you would trust them the most. You will spend the most time with them. There are reasons why you trust them the most, but there is a very small group that you would trust more than anybody else. Think about those people in your life. You know, I, I was somebody suggested something to me and uh, hopefully I'm not going to offend anyone. That's not my intention. But if you want to know if somebody belongs to that top group, ask yourself, would you trust them to help you hide a body? Would you trust them to help you hide a body? How many people can you trust to help you hide a body? And and obviously it's more than hide it. it it's not saying anything about it. Um uh, and you'll find that there is a very small group that you have that utmost highest level of trust in. Then you have a group of 15, uh, which, you know, I don't I don't remember what the the American military uh group sizes are where where we have the platoon the company division battalion brigade and and so on brigade i think is is like uh, 1500 uh people and uh but you know how much do you trust them? How, how much do you trust? How much do you trust the people that you're connected with on LinkedIn or, or Facebook? I mean, how many friends do you have on Facebook? And I'm using the word friends loosely here. I mean, it's it's uh, really more of the Facebook friend type definition. How many do you have there? How many of them can you trust that they will help you hide a body? Okay, very 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 few and and those very very few are the ones that you have a personal out of outside of facebook relationship with so you know the the uh you may have a very powerful relationship very high level of trust in five people and it, you know it's not doesn't have to be five maybe it's three maybe it's seven uh but it's probably not more than that um and you have a lower level of trust in the next fifteen, and and even a lower level of trust in the next fifty, and the next one hundred and fifty, and 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 so on and so forth. You see where I'm going with that. Um, now, here is another uh, philosophical thing to think about. Um, there is a limited amount of trust or th- that you have to spread around, and it really depends to what are the types of things that you have at risk for which you need somebody to trust to help you compensate for that risk. And that's why th- there is no way, I mean, th- there are multiple reasons, and actually the first episode of the first season uh, of this podcast, when I talked about the size of a team and and how it correlates with trust, uh, there is a limited level of trust, and you can't have the highest, the utmost level of trust in 1,500 people. So it has to be a much smaller group. Also, we need to keep in mind that trustfulness is really correlated to the different entities that we trust. Because we trust ourselves, we trust God, we trust other people, we trust other things. And when I talk about other things, it's really people that we don't know through proxy of a thing. And so let's take an airplane. You're about to board an airplane. And in your mind, you're asking, do I trust this airplane but the airplane is really the proxy for the people who built it, designed it, maintained it, and and fly it. Although the pilot you can see, uh, but but your your trust in in that thing is really a proxy for trust in people you don't know. And again, if we have a limited amount of trust to to spread around, um, if you trust yourself a lot it will typically come at the expense of trusting other people or even trusting god or trusting things um, if you trust god with with everything and uh you know i'll i'll again tell you that story of this this guy it's a folk story of this guy who's uh, there was a uh, flood and he went up to the roof of his house and uh then um uh the uh the uh, news the the uh uh, actually, before the flood came too high, uh, it was heard on the news that there is a flood and people needed to leave. But he decided, you know, I trust God. Uh, I'm not going to leave. I tr- God will take care of me. God would not let me drown. And so he stayed. Then a neighbor came by with, with a boat and said, hey, you know, the waters are rising. You, you can't walk anymore. Uh, so hop on my boat and I'll take you to safety. And this uh, very religious, very uh, God-trusting person said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Uh, I believe in God. I trust God. God will take care of me. God would not let me uh, drown. So he stayed. Then the uh, fire department came over with a helicopter and they dropped a rope ladder and they said, climb up that ladder and uh we'll take you to safety and he said no I'm staying here I trust God I believe in God uh, God will not let me drown I'm staying here waters kept rising and he drowned and as soon as he got to heaven uh, he first demanded an audience with God and and uh, when God was uh, saw him he said God I I trusted you I believed in you how did you let me drown and God said well I sent you a newspaper, I sent you a neighbor with a boat, I sent you a helicopter, what else do you want from me? So again, we trust things, and in this uh, folk story, uh, that person trusted God to the point that it came at the expense of trusting other people and other things, and and even himself. So I do believe that there is a limited level of trust. I'm getting a little too philosophical here, but uh, I do believe that that level of trust is limited. Um, and it really depends on the risks that we're taking in life or risks that we're exposed to or the rewards that we want to get that typically don't come without risk, and we split them. That's a personal decision how we split that trust uh, or where we are seeking that trust between ourselves, God, other people, and other things, and the trustfulness component of trust, the trust formula is really the trust that we have in other people. Well, We can apply to the trust in, in ourselves, but, you know, it's limited to uh, how can I say uh, trustfulness uh, is my willingness to trust people who are me. I mean, there's only one person. So trustfulness, I'll look at trustfulness as my willingness to trust other people. And, and the next thing that I want you to think about is uh What do we need to trust? What do you need to trust another person with and how much? So once again, uh, it's it's the first two laws of trust. Well, it starts with what's the reward? You heard that, uh, no risk, no reward. So typically, if you want a reward, it comes with a risk attached. I mean, if you want to get more than what you currently are getting, there's some risk associated with it, because otherwise you will go and get it anyway. You, you're not there, It's not a question. If you can get a higher reward and risk nothing, then why not? Um, so there is a reward and there is a risk associated with it. Now, there is a risk tolerance bar that we each have. And that's how much risk we're willing to take. Uh, and you know if, if that risk materializes, that's okay. We, we're okay with that. The thing is that when we start looking for a bigger reward and have a bigger risk, that risk goes below our risk tolerance or, or you know depends on how you look at it, uh, but our risk tolerance bar. So it's a little too risky than we're willing to tolerate uh, in general. And we need to trust another person to take us back to our comfort zone, to above our risk tolerance, to, oh, now now I feel safe uh, enough. So uh, the the level of trust that I need in another person is it depends on how far am I from my risk tolerance for uh, seeking a certain action that has a reward. So, you know, I'm about to start a startup company. Hypothetically, I'm not starting another startup company. I've started enough in my life. So I'm about to start a startup company. And uh, the reward is, you know, different people will see different rewards, but it can be the upside of uh, once we go public or once we get acquired uh, and I'm going to own 30% of the equity in this company and we're going to be acquired for 100 Billion dollars. No, let's just make it a hundred million dollars. Then I'm going to be making 30 million dollars. There's a reward here, but it comes with a risk and the risk is that it's going to go nowhere that I'm going to be wasting my next five years in something that's not even going to pay me a salary, at least not initially. Uh, So that's a risk, and that risk uh, may go below my risk tolerance bar. Now, some of us have more money set aside. Some of us don't. Uh, So if for me, for the next five years, uh, I mean, my current business, it it was a risk that I took. I, I wanted the reward. And the reward was, um, you know, getting to speak to all those companies and organizations, and uh, the compensation that comes with it, and uh, the fame. You know what? That uh, that was one of my rewards. Uh, being known for somebody who really knows trust. Uh, but the risk, uh, to me, was it, it was below my my trust my risk tolerance bar. And when I say below, it means that I was taking more risk than I wanted to take. So I needed to trust. Who do I needed to trust? But again, the level of trust that I needed was just to get me to that risk tolerance level that I have. Okay, uh, so I needed to trust enough to compensate for that bar. And that changes for different people. It changes with different situations. So the first thing to keep in mind is that this is trust law number one, trust is continuous. So when when you ask yourself, can I trust this other person? You need to first ask yourself, how much do I need to trust them? I mean, th- th- do I need to trust them to help me hide a body if all I need them to do is just uh, submit an assignment to the university on time? That's not the same as helping me hide a body and not telling anybody about it being my, my alibi. So there are different levels. And, and the first question that you have to ask yourself is, if I need to trust someone, if I need to decide whether I can trust someone or not, the first question is, how much do I need to trust them? Because trust is continuous. It's not binary. And the second question is, trust them to do what? Trust law number two, trust is contextual. It's not that you're you your trusting another person is a blank a blank check, you're trusting them with anything. You know, you're gonna trust them with one thing, you're not gonna trust them with with another thing. The question you have to ask is, can I trust them with X, whatever X is? You know, I'm about to board a plane, I'm looking at the pilot, I'm trying to determine, can I trust the pilot? No, that's not what I'm asking, really. Can I trust the pilot to fly this plane fly through turbulence, know how to handle turbulence if that happens, land the plane with no incident so I get to walk out. That's the context. I don't need to trust them with doing brain surgery. I don't need to trust them with writing a business plan. I don't need to trust them with being a faithful spouse. I need to trust them to fly this plane. So there is a context here. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and that's trust law number five: trust is uh, transferable. And, and I'll talk more about that when I in in the next episode uh, or the next part of this series. Um, but in this case, you may trust someone to do something simply because you trusted them and they proved to be trustworthy doing something else. To me, one example is that I get invited to uh, do workshops on, on developing strategy. And while I know how to do that, I haven't established myself in that context. But they invite me to do that because they saw me deliver and they experienced firsthand how I delivered a workshop on building trust. And if I delivered and they trust me with building trust, it's transferable to other things. Now, does that mean that they can trust me to fly a plane? They they probably don't know that I'm a pilot, and frankly, I can fly certain planes, and, and I'm probably pretty rusty, so I need to uh, get back into it before I can even ask somebody else to trust me with that. But um, they may trust me with one thing because they trusted me with another. But again, there is a context for it. Trust is contextual. Before I wrap this episode up, um, the, the, uh, a few don'ts, okay? Don't do these. First of all, don't ask, can I trust you? Uh, first of all, because what is the value of the answer? If they are trustworthy, what will they say? They will say yes. If they're not trustworthy, what will they say? They will say yes. So uh, they will not tell you that you can't trust them. So that's the first thing. Don't ask somebody, can I trust you, and expect them to be true, th- to, to be real and, and tell you, no, you can't trust me with that. Now, some people will. I don't want to completely uh, eliminate that that possibility. So some people will say, don't trust me with this. Well, it means that you can probably trust them in other areas because they show integrity, and integrity is something that's pretty broad and pretty universal to be trusted in something, but um, but you can't trust them with that specific things. But for the most part, just be careful. If you ask somebody, can I trust you? And they say, yes, it could be for two reasons. One is because you can trust them and the other because they are so untrustworthy that they will not tell you the truth, that you cannot and should not trust them. There is one more thing when you ask someone, can I trust you? And that's how you ask that. Because you can ask that in a way that actually tells them that you don't. This comes back to the, uh, and, and we'll talk more about that in in the third episode in this series, but it comes back to their body, your body language and your tone of voice when you say, can I trust you? I mean, just think about how I said that. I'm going to say it several different ways. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Did did you notice? I mean, this was just tone of voice. And the second one said that I really don't think that I can trust you. And so you sent a message with that question. And, And in the fourth episode, I'll talk more about the start with trust. The whole component of start with trust. And, uh, you know, you're not starting with trust when, when you ask that way. And obviously your body language will, will say it as well. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is uh, what do you do if somebody else preempts you and they say, trust me, trust me with that. Or you can trust me, you know. Probably, I would say if somebody says "trust me," don't trust them. But that's that's pretty general. Uh, it's it's not necessarily true. Uh, it again goes back to the same thing as when you ask them. You know, let's say that without tone of voice or anything or or any um, insinuations that that you don't trust them. When you ask, "Can I trust you?" and they give you the answer, same thing. Somebody says "trust me." Uh, they can say that for two reasons two uh, very opposite reasons one of them is because you really can trust them the other is because they're really good actors and they're trying to deceive you to trust them so in general i i I say somebody says trust me uh try and get a sense but that's not that should not be how you make that decision Uh, in the next two episodes i'm gonna show you how to make that decision but don't just make that decision because somebody said trust me by the way Uh, When you tell someone, I trust you, does that have any value? So when you tell them that I trust you, uh, did you change their level of trustworthiness? First of all, you know, the the question is, is your body language consistent with you trusting them? Uh, Because you can say, I trust you and they can see the hesitation in, or they can hear the hesitation in your voice. They can see it in your body language. So you may actually say, I trust you and convey the opposite message, which means that you don't. But if they are really to be trusted and and for some reason, nothing came across from what you said that would indicate that you don't really trust them, um, if they are trustworthy, you may not have changed anything. If they're less trustworthy than they believe you trust them, then you may cause that cognitive dissonance that will improve their trustworthiness by, by a little. And I'll talk more about that in the fourth episode in this series, uh, when I'll talk about that cognitive dissonance and the... Uh, trust before they're they're trustworthy or, or a little before they're trustworthy. So just just keep that in mind that when you say I trust you, uh, you may not have any effect and, and you may even have a negative effect. In the next two episodes, uh, what I'll do is I'll talk about how do we trust? How do we make that decision? And I'll separate it into two areas and those are gonna be the next two episodes. One of them is going to be uh, trust them for who they are and the following one would be trust them for what they do when you interact with them. So the first one is going to be more about things that you know. The second one, are going to, the second one is going to be about things that you experience firsthand, your first-hand impression. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at show.com If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.